we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. Most of us are concerned with trimming fear, like we trim branches of a tree. And we think this is good enough, but we don't challenge ourselves whether it is possible to be completely free of fear. Hello and welcome to episode 92 of Urgency of Change. Each weekly episode in this season of the Krishnamurti podcast is based on a major theme of the philosopher's talks, such as freedom, self-knowledge beauty, intelligence and meditation. Extracts from our archives have been carefully selected to represent Krishnamurti's different approaches to each of these universal and timelessly relevant themes. This week's theme is fear. Upcoming themes are conflict, anonymity and religion. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. For more information about our activities and programmes, such as our volunteer programme at Brockwood Park in the UK, we are online at kfoundation.org. You can also find our daily quotes and videos on Instagram and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. This week's episode on fear has five sections. The first extract is from Krishnamurti's second talk in San Francisco in 1983, titled We Are Two Friends Discussing Fear. Please, we are thinking together. We are walking down a lane in a wood, sitting down on the ground, looking at all the magnificent trees, and talking about serious matter like two friends who are concerned with the world and with themselves. And in their conversation, this question of fear arises. They're asking themselves whether this fear can ever end completely. Only one of the friends says, it can, it is possible. So one must understand, not intellectually, superficially, but very deeply that time and thought are involved in the causation of fear. Now, the friend says, I I can't stop, stop, time or thought. It's impossible to stop it. But the other friend says, it's not a question of stopping it. 
It's not try to exercise will in order to stop it, but to understand where time and thought are necessary and where they are not. So the friend says, time and thought are necessary in the physical world. Learning a language, learning a skill and so on. To put together a computer requires time and thought and knowledge. There it is necessary, the friend says. And the other says, yes, I accept that, that's natural. It's inevitable, it's necessary. But in the psychological world, my brain has been conditioned through time, through thought. So to understand the nature of fear, one must understand why the brain, I hope you are following all this, we are two friends talking together. My brain is, con- is conditioned by knowledge, which is experience, and that experience and knowledge has been the process of evolution both outwardly and, I thought, inwardly. But you are suggesting that what we consider necessary psychologically is an illusion, not a fact. So they they discuss the matter, because there's plenty of time, it's a lovely morning, the birds are singing, And then the shadows, numberless, of the trees on the ground. It's a pleasant, lovely morning. And the subject is not morbid, but they have to find out. And it's important to find out. So, one of the friends says, if one can understand the necessity of time and thought, where it is, it should be, but has it any place in the area of the psyche? That is, the psyche is put together by thought, and thought says, I will become better. The better is the movement of time. It better is measurement. The more is measurement, comparison. Now, can one live without comparison whatsoever? Of course, you have to compare between two cars, two houses, two gardens, two machines, and so on. But why should we? live with 
always comparing inwardly. Is it possible, he asks his friend, to live without comparison whatsoever? That is, <coughs> never compare, never try to become something more, because the self, however evolved, however becomes better, will, will, will still be the self, still be very, very refined selfishness. So, when one realises the fact, the truth, that thought is necessary and time in the physical world, then thought and time have no place in the psychological world. The second extract is from the fifth talk in Sanan, 1981, titled, What is Fear? This is the common ground of all mankind, fear. Whether you are living in a small house or in a palace, whether you have no work or have plenty of work, whether you have tremendous knowledge about everything on earth, whether you are a priest, whether you are the highest representative of God or whatever it is, there is still this deep-rooted fear in all mankind. That's a common ground on which all humanity stands. There is no question about it. That's an absolute, irrevocable contradiction. It cannot be contradicted. It's a fact. And again, as long as brain is caught in this pattern of fear, its operation is limited. Right? And therefore it can never function wholly. So it, it behoves us, it is necessary, if humanity is to survive completely as human beings, not as machines, one must find out for oneself whether it is possible to be totally free from this fear. Not only physical fears of losing a job, of getting hurt, of having pain which has been experienced last week, and carry on with that remembrance of that pain, and therefore hoping that pain will not occur, and fear involved in it. 
There is a biological fear and deep psychological rooted fears. You are looking at yourself, not at the speaker. The speaker is not important. What is important is to look at this, at the content of our consciousness with its fear. It is not, we are not talking about the various forms of fear, fear of old age, fear of death, fear of loneliness, fear of anxiety, fear which breeds hate, fear of not arriving, not achieving, not fulfilling, not reaching nirvana, or whatever you want to reach spiritually. There is, we are not talking about the objects of fear, but fear itself. Right? See the difference? We are afraid about something, or fear of something. Fear of yesterday, or fear of tomorrow. Which is fear of time. Right? I'm going to go into that a little bit. So, we are talking about fear itself, not the expressions of fear. Clear? What is fear? Have, when there is fear, is there any sense Are you? I know, let me put it differently. When one day, when there is fear, at that very moment, is there a recognition as fear? You understand my question? I am a. There is fear in me. Suppose. Is that fear? Describable at the moment it is taking place, the reaction, or after. The after is time. Right? I wonder if you see this. Right? Are we meeting together in this? I am afraid. Suppose I am afraid. Either I am afraid about something, or I am afraid of something that I have done in the past, which I don't want you to rec- realize or know, or I do- something has happened in the past which again awakens that fear, or is there a fear by itself without the object, and when there is fear, at the second, do I call it fear? Or only after it has come? You understand all this? 
it is surely after it has happened. Right? Which means what? The memory of other incidents of fear has been held in the brain and the moment that reaction which takes place, the, the memory says that's fear. Right? Have you, are we together in this? That is, I'll explain again. God, how we depend on explanations. How terrible. I recognize that the moment at, mo- at the Im- with the immediacy of that feeling, there is no sense of I d- you don't call it fear. It's only after it has happened. I name it as fear. The naming it of it as fear is the remembrance of other in- incidents that have arisen which has caused fear. Right? I remember those fears of the past and the new feeling arises and I immediately identify it with the word fear. Right? That's simple enough. So there is always the memory operating on the present. So, we are inquiring, what is fear? Is fear time? Fear of that something happened a week ago, which has caused that feeling which I have named as fear, and the future implications that it must not happen again, and it might happen, therefore I am afraid of it. You follow? So I am asking myself, and you are asking yourself, is it Time, that is the root of fear. You are afraid? Are you afraid? Right? Are you getting bored with all this? Are you getting bored with all this? No, I hope not. So, what is time? You understand this? Time by the watch is very simple. There is sun rose at a certain time, sun sets at a certain time. And yesterday, today, tomorrow. That's not natural sequence of time. There is also psychological time in us. That is, the incident which happened last week, which has given pleasure, or which has awakened the sense of fear, and the remembrance of that, projecting 
not only in the present being modified, but the future, right? I may not have a job, I may lose my position, I may lose my money, I may lose my wife, I may... follow? Time. So, is fear part of time? Right? It looks like it. Right? And what is psychological time? There is time by the clock, obviously. If I've got if one has to catch a train, there is it's fixed, there's time. To go from here to there requires time and so on. Time implies space. Right? Not only physical time which needs space, there is also psychological time which needs space. Yesterday, last week, modified today, tomorrow. There is space and time, right? Right? That's simple. So, is fear the movement of time? And is not the movement of time, psychologically, the movement of thought? You follow me? Please, this is very good education for each one of us. So, thought is time, right? Time is fear. Obviously, I've had pain sitting with a dentist, remembering, stored, projected, hope not to have that pain again, thought is moving, which is time of yesterday's pain held and not wanting it again. So. Fear is a movement in space and time which is thought. Right? If one sees that not as an idea but actuality, which means one has to pay attention to that pain which happened here that fear which happened here last week, to give to that fear complete attention at the moment it arises, then it's not registered. You try, do this and you'll find out for yourself. The third extract is from Krishnamurti's third question and answer meeting in Ojai, 1981, titled Observing Fear. Now can we, each one of us, 
consciously, sensitively aware of one's own fear. Do we know our own fear? No matter, maybe losing a job, not having money, death, and so on. Can we look at it first? Not try to dissolve it or conquer it or go beyond it, but to observe it. Consciously observe sensitively the fears or one fear that one has, a dominant fear. And there are dormant fears that are asleep, deep-rooted, unconscious, way down in one's own recesses of one's own mind. Can those dormant fears, which lie deeply within one, can they be awakened and looked at now? Or must they be, those dormant fears, appear only in a crisis, in a shock, in certain strong challenges? Or can one awaken the whole structure of fear? Not only the conscious fears, but also the deep unconscious, those shadowy recesses of one's brain which has collected fears. Can we do that? First, can we look at our fear? And how do we look at it? How do we face it? Suppose I'm frightened, and I'm not, that I cannot be saved except by some divine person. There is a deep-rooted fear of 2,000 years Right? I'm, an, I'm not even observing that fear. It's part of my tradition, part of my conditioning, that there is only, I can't do anything but somebody else, an outside agency, is going to help me, save me. Save me, I don't know from what, but it doesn't matter. And there is, that's part of what's fear. And of course, there's a fear of death. That's the ultimate fear. 
and so on. Can one, can I observe a particular fear that I have and not guide it, shape it, overcome it, try to rationalize it. It's there. Can I look at it? And how do I observe it? Perhaps this may be rather important. Do I observe it as an outsider looking in? Or do I observe it as part of me? You understand? Fear is not separate from my consciousness. Fear is not separate, something outside of me. Fear is a part of me, obviously. So can I observe that fear without the division of the observer and the observed? Do you understand? Are we following each other? Please, do follow me. Can I observe that fear without the division that thought has created between the between the entity that says, I must face fear. Just to observe fear without that division, is that possible? Our conditioning, our training, our education, our religious ambitions all point out that the two are separate. The me is different from that which is not me. So we never recognize or accept the fact violence is not separate from me. I think that may be one of the factors why we are not able to be free of fear. Because we are always operating on fear. Right? We are always saying to ourselves, I must get rid of it. What am I to do with it? Is there a way of all the rationalization inquiry as though fear is something separate from the inquiry, from the person who inquires into fear. All right. Can we go on? Is this clear? Huh? 
So can we observe fear without that division? That is, the word fear is not fear. And also, see whether the word creates the fear. And the word communist, for many people, is a frightening word. So can we look at that thing called fear without the word, and also find out if the world is creating the fear. Weaving this together. Then, is there another factor which is not mere observation, but and bringing or having energy which will dissipate that fear. Having such tremendous energy that fear doesn't doesn't exist. You understand? Is fear a matter of lack of energy, lack of attention, and if it is a lack of energy, how does one come about naturally to have this tremendous vital energy that pushes everything fear away altogether? You understand my question? You're following each other. All right, please help me. Are we together? Do we understand so far? So, that may be the factor that will dissipate or that energy will have no sense of fear. You see, we are most of us dissipate our energy in constant occupation with something or other. Constant occupation if you are a housewife, if you are a businessman, if you are a scientist, if you are, doesn't matter, careerist, you are always occupied. 
and such occupation may be and is, I think, a dissipation of energy. Let a man who is perpetually occupied about meditation. Perpetually occupied with concern about whether there is God. Or, you know, various forms of occupation. Is, is not such occupation which is constantly thinking about it, worrying about it, concerned about it, is that not waste of energy? If one is afraid and say, I must not be afraid, what am I to do? and so on, which is another kind of occupation. And that may be one of the factors of the lack of energy. It's only a mind that free from occupation of any kind that has tremendous energy. That may be one of the factors that may dissipate fear. And also another factor is time. Time is fear. I wonder if you understand all this. Time, which is an interval between what is and what should be. Time between now and the end. There is, we explained that the other day, so I don't want to go into it too much. But we can see what a tr what great part time plays in our life. Learning of a language requires time. Learning about any technical subject requires time. And we also accept time in the psychological world, in the area where the psyche functions, that is, the area of where thought is constructing, building, changing, operating, reasoning, doubt, you follow, all that is the area of time also. When one says, I am afraid, but I will not be afraid that the future is time. So, I will be, but I am not, but I will be, may be the root of fear. I wonder if you understand.
Or is there a totally different factor at all? That's we have inquired. Facing fear, actually observing it consciously, sensitively aware and without any choice, without any direction, just to watch it. And we said also, the watching is important. How you watch, how you observe. If you are an outsider, unobserving, then you maintain the duality and then conflict arises. Right? And the other is, time is a factor of fear. And is there an energy that that has no fear whatsoever? Wonderful. Are we coming together somewhere? Or is there an energy that and is, has completely free of it immediately. I wonder if you understand all this. So, also, there is the unconscious fears. The racial fears that one has inherited from time beyond time. The fears of our past generations which one has inherited and which are dormant. Can all this dormant, silent, hidden fears be revealed completely? Not go step by step, one fear after the other. You understand? It's possible only to reveal all the dormant fears, fears that are never been observed, never even come to the surface, can all that be totally awakened and in the very awakening of it is the ending of it. I wonder if you follow all this. Are we moving together, or am I walking a lonely path? You see, 
one of our misfortunes is that we are so clever in investigating, analyzing. We never see things immediately as a whole. A, a holistic perception of all fear. Please don't go to sleep, just just follow each other. That is, can we see psychologically the whole operation of fear, in which, in the very observation of that, try observing wholly, completely, Absolutely, the dormant fears must will inevitably come out and observe. So, are we understanding each other? See, most of us are concerned with trimming fear, like you trim trees, branches. So we are, most of us want to trim fear. And we think that's good enough. But we never challenge ourselves whether it's possible to be completely free of fear. One may have done things wrong in the past, that also brings fear. Look at it, face it, you follow? See, most of us do not demand of ourselves to be free. To be free of these burdens which we have inherited from time past. A fear and so on. To say, can I, can my brain be ever free of fear? And questioning it, asking, demanding it. That needs certain persistency. certain sense of immediacy. But we are not like that at all. The fourth extract is from the second question and answer meeting at Brockwood Park in 1985, titled Fear of change. I am afraid to change. If I change, what will happen afterwards? I am paralyzed by this. Can you talk about this problem? 
Why is one afraid of change? What do you mean by that word change? One has lived in this house across the lawn for about nearly 20 years. One becomes attached to that particular room, to the nice furniture up there, right? Uh, one becomes attached. That means what you are attached to is what you are. If one is attached to that extra good old furniture, you are that furniture. So we are afraid to change. I'm attached to that room. But fortunately, the speaker travels greedy. That's only an excuse. So, what, is, what does that word imply? Change from what is to what should be. Right? That's one change. Or change according to my old pattern, but remain within the pattern. Going across the one corner of the field, I say I moved, changed. But it's still within the same field, barricaded, barbed wire. Right? Going north, east, and south, is changed. Why do we use that word? Biologically, when it's told, there's constant change in the blood. Constant movement, change. One cell dies, another cell takes its place. Or a series of molecules and so on. There's this constant change going on physically. And we are afraid to change. Could we drop that word change? Change implies time, doesn't it? I am this, I will change to that. Or I have been that and some event will come along, take place, and that event will change me, and so on. Change implies a movement in time, right? We went into the question of time the other day. Should I repeat, should the speaker go into it again? Time. It's a very complex thing, time. Very. I won't go into now, it's not the occasion. So, if you could drop that word change, or revolution, or mutation, which the speaker has used all these words, if you could drop all those words, then 
we are only faced with what is, right? Not what you should be, but only face what is. I'm angry, that's what is. I'm violent, that's what is. But to become politically or religiously non-violent is a change. To become non-violent, when I'm violent, takes time. In that interval, I'm sowing the seeds of violence. But it's also simple, right? So, I remain with violence, not try to change it. I'm angry, that's a fact. There are no excuses for anger. I can find a dozen excuses for hate and anger. But those inquiries in why I get angry is under escape from anger. Right? Because I've moved away. So I re the brain remains with what is. Then see what happens. That is, I'm jealous of you. Not me. I'm jealous of you. Because you look so much nicer. Keener, good teeth, you've got good brain. I, I'm envious of you. Out of that envy comes hate. Part envy is part of hate. Envy is part of comparison. I would like to be like you, but I can't. So I become rather antagonized. I feel violent about. So, I remain with what is, that is, I do, I see my envious. I'm envious. That envy is not different from me, right? I envy with me, right? So I can't do anything about it, I, do, I hold it. I stay with it. Right? Will you? Stay with it. Not escape. Not to find out the cause or the reason or, or go beyond it. I am envy. And see what takes place. First, there is no conflict. Obviously, if I'm envious, I'm envious. It's only conflict exists when I don't want to be envious. I wonder if you follow the topic. So, if I stay with it, I've got tremendous energy. Right? Energy is like light throwing on something Focused light, uh, focused light on something, it then becomes very clear. 
and that which is really clear, you're not afraid of paralyzed. Which is so. You understand? I hope. So, what's important in this question is not to escape, not to have, make an effort just to remain with what is. If I am British, I remain with that. See what happens. How narrow it becomes. Sorry if you are British, or French, or Russian, or whatever it is. The thing itself begins to show its whole content. The final extract is from Krishnamurti's sixth talk in Sanan, 1981, titled Fear of Dying. Is the organism coming to an end either through some disease, old age, accidents, it will come to an end. And is that what we are concerned about death? Is it, please follow this, is it Thought identifies itself with the body, with the name, with the form, with all the memories, and says, death must be avoided. Right? So is that what we are afraid of? the coming to an end, a body that has been looked after, cared for, if you care for it, coming to dies. I don't think we are afraid of that, especially. We are a little bit <laughs> slightly anxious about it, but that is not the great importance. But what is far more important for us is to end the relationships that we have had, the pleasures that we have had, the memories, pleasant and unpleasant, the thing that we call living, right? The daily living, going to the office, factory, doing some skillful job, having a family, being attached to the family, with all the memories of that family. My son, my daughter, my wife, my husband, that unit which is fast disappearing, but there is that feeling of being related to somebody. Though that 
in that relationship there is great pain, anxiety and all the rest of it. It is it's there. I am at home with somebody. Or you are not at home with anybody. If you are not at home with anybody, then that has its own sorrow. So is that what we are afraid of? The ending of my relationship, my attachments, the ending of something I have known, something to which I have clung, something which I, in which I have specialised all my life, and all that I'm afraid of ending it. Right? That is, the ending of all that is me. Right? All that, the family, the name, the form, the tradition, the inheritance, cultural education. the racial inheritance, you know, all that is me. Me that's struggling, me that is happy, the me that's... Is that what we are afraid of? The ending of me, which is all that. Which is the ending psychologically of the life which I am leading, the life which I know psychologically, with its pains or all that, is that what we are afraid of? And if we are afraid of that and have not resolved that fear, death inevitably comes. And what happens to your consciousness? Please listen. What happens to that consciousness, which is not your consciousness, which we went into pretty thoroughly, it is the consciousness of mankind, consciousness of the vast humanity, not my consciousness. We went into that very carefully. I won't go into a time. So, and please see, as long as I am afraid, as an, as an individual with my limited consciousness, it is that I am afraid of, right? You are following this? It is that which I am scared of. And to avoid that, I go through all kinds of nonsense, Gabriel and you know all that stuff. And I realize, one realizes that's not a fact, right? It is not a fact that my consciousness is t- 
totally separate from everybody else. Right? It's, a, it's an illusion, it's an absurdity, illogical. It's unsanitary, <laughs> unhealthy. It is so. Follow this carefully. I, I, I realize this, perhaps in my heart, in my feeling, I realize that I am the whole of mankind, not an individual consciousness that's too silly, illogical, it has no meaning. And I, who have lived this kind of life, which is pain, which is sorrow, which is anxiety, all that, if I haven't, if my, if my brain has not transformed some of all that, I merely, my life is only adding further confusion to the wholeness. Do you understand? I wonder if you understand this. But if I live it, realize that I am not my consciousness is consciousness of mankind, and for that con- for the human consciousness I am totally responsible. Then I then freedom from the limitation of that consciousness becomes extraordinarily important. Right? Because then I am contributing or I am breaking down the limitation of that consciousness. So death has a totally different meaning. You understand? You are following what? Are we meeting each other or is it just I have lived this so-called individual life, concerned about myself, my problems, and those problems never end, they are increasing. I live that kind of life. I have been brought up, educated, conditioned to that kind of life. You come along and tell me pleasantly as a friend, or you like me, or you love me, you tell me, look, your consciousness is not yours. You suffer, so do the Asian. other people suffer, and so on, so on. I've gone into this. So you tell me all that. I listen to it, and it makes sense to me. I won't reject what you say, because it makes logical sense, sanity. And I see in that what, what you have told me, perhaps there can be peace in the world. So I say, I have listened to you, 
And I say to myself now, can I be free from fear? Right? Because I am responsible totally for the whole of consciousness, right? So when I am investigating fear and moving away from fear, I am helping the total human consciousness to lessen fear. You understand? Is this somewhat clear? Then death has a totally different meaning. Not that I am going to sit next to God or or I am going to heaven through some peculiar nebula. But I am living a life which is not my particular life. I am living a life of the whole of humanity. And if I understand death, if I understand in grief, I am, I am cleansing the whole of consciousness of mankind. You understand? That's why it's important to understand the meaning of death and perhaps death has great significance, great relationship with love. Because where you end something, love is. When you end completely attachment, then love is. 